Go ahead and do level checks. Uh, Willie, you're up first. Testing one, two, three, four, five. Looks good. And Tim? Testing five, four, three, two, one. Okay, sounds good. Um, yep. And we'll go ahead and start recording here in three, two, one. Good evening, and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster. And with me tonight in the man cave recording Diz Dads Podcast Plus number 49 are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. Hey, howdy, hey. And returned from his uh, uh, adventure in the uh, great beyond of of uh, Kentucky, Willie Crocker. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hoarding is fun. <laughs> now, we're going <laughs> to get to a discussion of a topic that frankly we've avoided talking about for months now and we're kind of looking forward to and that is uh, we've got some stuff from disney cruise line that we're excited to be talking about but uh before we start that discussion we do want to thank our podcast sponsors um Diz dad's podcast plus is sponsored by wicked mouse travel and by mouse master travel uh, both of those agencies are authorized Disney vacation planners, and they would love to help you and your family get the most out of your next Disney destination vacation, which is looking more and more like, gosh, not that much farther down the road. It might include Disney Cruise Line. Woohoo! Yeah, finally. All right. The return, turn, turn, two, 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 cruising, cruising, cruising. So the news that kind of prompts this is last week's opening uh, of the summer 2022 uh, Disney Cruise Line sailings for booking. And when we say that summer 2022, that's, you know, Disney has its own sort of definition of cruising seasons that the rest of the cruise lines don't really play by. Um, but, but for Disney purposes, you know, they, they introduce their sailings in sort of smaller segments. And so, this past week, the sailings that came out run from uh, sort of the very end of May through the um, what I guess it's the the beginning of of October, end of September, right? Right, exactly. Um, and and this is always to me an interesting group to release because it's probably the most diverse group of itineraries we see at any one time during the year from Disney Cruise Line um, because we get that summer season, which has, you know, Disney stretched, you know, four ships all over the place, right? We, we've got two ships sailing out of Florida. We've got one ship in Europe. We've got one ship in Alaska and we're really all over the place. Um, so we're really interesting from, from that perspective. Um, and then, 
you know, fall, those early fall cruises can be some of the best values out there um, in the in the cruise market, especially on Disney Cruise Line. So um, let's let's kind of work our way through these things um, and and kind of talk about what you know. Uh, it's hard to organize a show like this. What what do you talk about when you just have a list of of sailings and dates? But um, maybe maybe we just start with the whole question of um, of ships because we did get uh, itineraries for four ships, but what that means is that we don't yet really have all of the 2022 itineraries for this uh, this segment, right? Right, we're still missing one piece of the puzzle. It's one fifth of the puzzle. Right, the real- one piece, one piece. So yes, we know we we we've now had an official announcement that we should expect uh, Disney Wish to begin sailing in summer 2022. So we we have another set of itineraries, and even though no itineraries for Disney Wish were released we actually probably have a pretty good idea of what those itineraries are likely to look at look like because you know we've speculated in the past what they might be but we got a big hint what wish might be doing when these um summer 2022 itineraries came out what was our big tip oh, off yes, willie did. <laughs> that's what ask him a question while he's taking a sip yes 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 what was our big tip-off tim sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay the, the relocation of the dream to miami right so the the big key is that uh you know uh disney dream which has sailed out of port canaveral exclusively since it launched uh back in what 20 oh, i want to say it? 10 or 11 10 or 11 11 yeah 11 is probably it okay uh you know that its home port has been port canaveral and it it is clear based on these uh new itineraries that came out that disney dream will be the the disney cruise line ship that is the primary tenant for uh disney at in miami where uh disney is involved in the building of a new cruise terminal I I think that's really interesting. Um, I have this funny little quirk every day. I I track where the Disney ships are, so I can see you know who's on, who's at anchor, who's in Port Canaveral, who's where. And the wonder has actually been in Miami for a number of days. So it kind of it, it begs the question: uh, Is it just less expensive in Port Miami, or are they actually working on the new terminal there? Right. Well, I think it's some of both. Um, you know, they they have a sweetheart deal. It's also, I mean, one of the things I like about Miami and I like about the fact that, that we're going to have Disney Dream sailing out of there consistently is that it, it's a lot easier to fly into Miami than it is to fly into Orlando, um, especially flying into the airport and then getting to the cruise port. Um, yep. You know, you've Way got easier. so many more options in Miami because um, you can fly into into MIA, you can fly into FLL either way, and it's really West Palm Beach also. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not that far away at all. No, no, I mean it's about what probably half again farther. Yeah, but I mean, like it's still easier than Orlando where oh, you have yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I know. It's, I can tell you, I know for sure it's doable because I had a, a client last year 
last winter. Um, so, you know, sort of the shortly before everything shut down, um, who, who got caught up with a, a flight cancellation due to ice and the only flight that we could get them on that would get them to Florida in time to make their cruise, um, because everything was pushed back a day was to fly them into West Palm beach. <laughs> um, and literally like while they were in flight, I arranged to have a car waiting for them right? <laughs> to, you know, wow. dash them off to the port. Yep. How far away is West Palm from, from Miami? Just if you know, 40, off the top of your head. 40 minutes, 45 well, minutes to the cruise port. It's about an hour and a half. Um, oh, okay. It's that's, about, yeah, that's sorry, I was doing the airport right. to airport. Right. Yeah, right. if you're going from West Palm to the to the cruise port, it's about an hour and a half. Because um, you're really only about 40 to 45 minutes from the port from either um, Fort Lauderdale or Miami. Maybe an hour. Depending on traffic. Um, so, you know, I, I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense to have a bigger ship available in Miami full time. Um, and then, you know, it's important to remember too, that there's a reason that Disney wonder gets moved around so much. I mean, it, it is the most versatile of the ships in, uh, Disney's stable. Right. And, uh, they do, like I said, I, I, I keep track of where the ships are almost every day and the wonder, you know, it can be in Miami, it can be in Dover, yeah, it can be just about anywhere. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the workhorse, isn't it? Well, and the big key is that because it does Alaska, it has uh, a couple of features that are unique to Disney Wonder. There's a, an observation deck that's covered, and um, just some some of the outfitting of the ship is is designed to handle colder weather better. And so, because it's outfitted for Alaska, it means it can do. Things like the Norwegian fjords and, um, you know, the, the sort of north part of Western Europe more, more comfortably than some of the cool things that we're seeing on the 2022 itinerary. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's huge because, I mean, it goes from Alaska down to the Panama Canal and then comes back over into the Eastern Caribbean and then it can go right up into the fjords, like you just said, in, not all the other, none of the other boats can do those things. Yeah. So it's like you said, I mean, it's the do all mechanic that makes this boat so impressive. But just avoid the Suez Canal, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please. Now, now, the Suez has had its colonic. It's moving again. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, to me, I mean, the wonder was always going to move around because of that. To me, the, the best part of, of this set of itineraries is really the dream relocating to Miami because what it means is that, that Miami becomes a year round, um, you know, Caribbean port for Disney yep. instead of being only part of the year. I think it's a wise move, really. I mean, when you consider the fact that they can do the, the, the dream to the Caribbean destinations, particularly Nassau and Castaway Key and going out of Miami, I think uh, you've just really added a lot of versatility to the fleet. So I guess one of the reasons we start with this as, as the introduction is that some people might look at this itinerary release and say, wait a second, where did all of the three night Bahamas cruises go? 
because there's only a handful of them on this itinerary set because you know there once once dream moves to miami it doesn't sail anymore three nights you know sometimes things disappear that's what happens in the real world they just go away (laughs) oh no oh no i don't think so well, well, not Disney's terms, really. Yeah, Disney and, and, and those, those three-night cruises, I mean, I, I, I think we all share the opinion that if at all possible, you want to do at least the four-night. Um, I, I, 100%. You know, the, the three-night, the problem with the three-night is that you don't even really get to experience each of the main dining rooms, you know, ordinary environment. It's really tough to even experience the ship in general in three on a yeah. three night. It really is. There's, but it's way too short. That said, because of the the brief time frame and the price point, you know, for a lot of people, it's the gateway drug for Disney Cruise Line, right? They get well said. On the three night, drug. and they realize, my gosh, we had a great time, and there were all these things that we missed, so we've got to go back. Um, and that's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I guess that's where we circle back to where we started, which is if, if dream is going to head off to Miami and stop sailing these three night cruises, where do we think people are going to get their fix on those, you know, quickie Bahamas trips? I wish I knew. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I could tell you a whole lot of wishful thinking around here. Yeah. And nothing like bringing in a new ship to do the. Gateway drug to yeah. Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, it's clear that that you know they're going to use the new ship as the workhorse. I mean, because that, that's the thing to me. In some ways, it's so impressive. Is you know, Dream has been sailing these three and four night itineraries one right after the other, you know, for what nine years now, right? And almost ten years. Almost and, ten. And having Wish take these over at this point, I think, is really great for a lot of reasons, including, you know, I think over time, it's harder and harder on the ship to do. I was going to say, it gives the dream a chance to do something other than flip. Because well, that's and, all they're doing is they're flipping the boat. Yeah. And, Every time it starts, they've got to flip it over again. And it's the total number of onboard and offboards they're doing, right? I mean, there's there's parts of that ship that get twice the use of those same parts of the ship on uh Disney fantasy. That is a, a, you know, sailing the same number of nights overall on the year. Um, but on the longer itineraries. Exactly. exactly. So, so wish will take over on those. Um, and I, we obviously don't know for sure yet, but my expectation is when they do release those wish itineraries, we're very likely to see a pattern that looks an awfully lot like the sailings we used to have on the dream, which is mostly alternating three and four night cruises with the possibility of those midsummer, um, you know, five night double dips. Right. And, uh, as I, uh, I was going to say, um, well, that train of thought just left the station. But um, I think uh, the fact that the Wish is more energy efficient than uh, than any Disney cruise ship to this point, I think it makes it a great candidate for that three-night, four-night rotation. That's a good point. Right. They're going to be able to promote it and talk about, like, look, we're saving gas, we're saving this, we're doing that, and we're turning these ships over every 
three or four nights. Because, I mean, it's Friday to Monday, Monday to Friday, Friday to Monday, Monday to Friday. Exactly. Um, All right. So we can kind of put aside discussion. We'll talk a little bit more about Wish a little bit later when we get to to talking in more detail about pricing. Um, Because we we have some thoughts on that front, obviously. But um, to to get back to the the dream, um, and you know, it, it's obviously it's moving to Miami. It's sailing very different itineraries, um, so it's a little bit harder to compare its pricing, right? Because there is no equivalent other sailing. There's the Wonder sailings out of Miami are kind of close, but it's a different ship with a different capacity, and you know, a lot of very different issues, different stateroom configurations, even. Exactly. Yep. Well, it's there- also going to be a lot of different itineraries. Yes, there there is some difference in the itineraries. Um, they're they're maybe less different than they seemed at first. Um, but you know, Dream is going to sail. I guess there's some nice variety there, right? They're going to sail um, five night Western Caribbean cruises, um, and they're going to sail five night Bahamas. Well, they're going to sail Bahamas cruises um, out of Miami that are either um, four nights or I guess there's one five night. Are there any double dips to Castaway? No, that you saw. I did. Oh, oh yes, one, 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 one double dip. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. One double but, dip in Castaway. But that's a huge bonus. I mean, people don't. People love the double dip. They really do. And it's like, even if they miss it the first time, they they can't wait for the second time. Like, it's a big bonus. Well, and, and, and I expect this is why I expect that we're going to see those from Disney Wish because. Normally, I mean, there are plenty of opportunities where Dream is going to be sailing past Castaway Key and could do a double dip because they stop at Castaway Key on all of their Western Caribbean itineraries. Um, right. Right. And on on their, uh, yeah, and on their four-night Bahamas. So, yep. you know, there's plenty of time for them to do it. The only one that they're actually doing is on September 26th, and it's kind of interesting to me that that's the date they've chosen because in the past, right, it's the summer where they've done those those uh-huh. double dip longer yeah. cruises. But I, I I almost suspect that they're gambling a little bit here because September 26th is right at the height of Caribbean um, hurricane season. Right. Right. So it also means that it's the time of year where you're most likely to have to miss a stop at Castaway Key. And so. Or get repositioned somewhere else. Right. Right. So what what better way to protect yourself, though, than to give yourself a second chance? Right. And it's right before they do the Halloween at Seas cruises. Oh, Oh, but I have another. They'll already be Halloween at Sea in full effect by September 26th, won't they? Who knows? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they so. haven't announced anything official yet, but right. under normal circumstances, it'd be it starting starts in, in August. Yeah, mid-August. But I have another thought, and I'm I'm just pulling this out my backside. Understand me, but um, with the uh, advent of Lighthouse Point, can you see cruises that have stops at both Lighthouse Lighthouse Point and Castwicky? I think that would be an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in- entirely possible. Um, you know, I, I think we're still at least a year and maybe two out from from seeing any any you know anything stopping at, at Lighthouse Point. Yeah, I've not seen any updates in a long time. Because if you could get financial dollars at both islands and not stopping at 
some other island, they're bringing in more financial revenue. Right. I mean, if you do it as, you know, well, there there are several things going on here. One is it saves wear and tear in Castaway Key, right? Because Wish is the first of several new ships coming online. So, you know, they're, they're going to be putting ever more pressure on their existing uh, facilities. So a piece of this is they need to get Lighthouse Point open so that they can, you know, release some of the burden on Castaway Key. But then once it's open, I think Willie's right. I think that, that, you know, if Disney has the choice between, you know, both paying the port fees and then having guests go spend the money in, you know, somebody else's store, or I guarantee you they're paying a port fee to, to the, to the country, to the Bahamas when they stop yep. at, at their private Island. But mm-hmm. When the guests get off and spend money in the stores, they're spending money in Disney's store. Right. Well, I mean, like, do you want them going to Grand, you know, Grand Cayman and doing Manatee, Manatee, whatever it is, Island or whatever it is? Right, right. Or do you want them coming to, you know, Lighthouse Point and we do swim with the manatees in this area where we're making 195 bucks instead of 12 bucks? Right. Absolutely. You know? Good point. Absolutely. And, and, and don't 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 miss don't uh, underestimate the fact that hey these new ships coming online are much bigger so how is that going to affect are they going to have to redredge uh, Castaway to be able to accommodate the big ships? Um, they're actually they're a little bit bigger, but they're not as much bigger than than uh, Dream and Fantasy as you might think. Um, they're they're configured differently, but they're not that much larger. Okay, I was under the impression that they were. But that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll double check that as we're chatting here, but but I'm pretty sure that they're that they're fairly close to the same footprint at least. Okay. Um, now the the before we get away from the dreams cruises, one of the things I like is that there are gonna be some destinations that are new for Disney Dream. Um, you know, throughout June and July, it's going to be making, and actually into August, they're going to be making a, a stop at Grand Cayman, where, as far as I know, Dream's never been. Um, so that's my knowledge. Right. I was say the magic usually is down there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, are there are there are there any stops at Key West? I would anticipate there would be coming out of Miami. Um, I'm not seeing any. On the um, no, I'm not seeing any on this set of of uh, itineraries because see, here's the thing, and this is this is the change that comes from sailing out of Miami instead of Port Canaveral, um, is that they've got to sail a little bit farther around to get to uh, the Bahamas. So if you look at the five night Western Caribbean cruises. They're five night cruises, but they all have two sea days. So they still, once you have a port at Castaway Key, you know, if you have two days at sea in Castaway Key, then you only have one more port. Exactly. Um, and as a result, you've got uh, Dream visiting Grand Cayman in uh, you know June, July, August. Uh, during that same time frame, it sort of the the alternate itinerary is uh, stopping at Cozumel, right? So you know, going canting further right. it's the- south, um, and then uh, let's see, and then there's one that the one that does the double dip at Castaway Key stops at Nassau, and and there is the big reason that we're not seeing the double dips 
in order to do the double dip with Miami, because you've got a longer, you know, sailing to get from Castaway Key back to Miami, um, they have to, the only stop they can really do is Nassau. Right. right? I mean, Nassau is what, 90 miles, 100 miles? Right. Right. Makes sense. And, and Castaway Key is what, 40 miles? Max? Something like that. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not I good at my nautical distances. All I, I know, know is that when I, I wake up, you, I'm, I at the right, I'm at the next place where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I know that just going from Castaway back to Port Canaveral, it's like the ship's barely moving because right, they don't like really have to go right, very fast. Right. They're chugging slow, yeah. Um, and, you know, Disney Fantasy, we can probably dispose of the discussion pretty quickly because it's pretty much old hat. It's It's visiting... You know, it's doing its same thing that it always does. It's alternating seven night Eastern and Western Caribbean sailings for, you know, pretty much this entire time frame. Um, the, the only place where we get, um, you know, some kind of unique and different things are in, we got, we got one in, um, looks like late September from fantasy and then one in the sort of heart of summer in July. There's a seven-night Eastern Caribbean on Fantasy that just has a different set of of ports than all the others. Um, it's a unique oh, sequence. Um, so instead of you know the the Eastern Caribbean being Tortola, Virgin Islands, Castaway Key, it is um, Phillipsburg, Saint Martin, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Castaway Key. That um, is unusual. So it's a it's a little different itinerary and and um, actually would be a really interesting cruise. Somebody who's got experience on the fantasy before might find, you know, a, a, a new and different Eastern Caribbean itinerary there. Isn't that the old Magic cruise that they Magic, started like in ninety nine or two thousand? Magic sailed, if not exactly the same, a very similar itinerary. Right. I was going to say. I mean, I remember, but, but I think didn't Magic sail that out of San Juan. As San Juan, port. yes. Right. Correct. So this is this is the this fantasy is... sailing it out of sailing it out of Port Canaveral. Okay. So Yeah. But I mean it's still one of those things where it's like doing the old repeat. I mean yes. they're all the repeat, but Right. I mean, it's, it's just finding a new way to kind of shuffle things a little bit, I think, is the idea. And offering a little more capacity to going to some of those routes that uh, the Wonder may have used to uh, to do. Um, and, and then there's also, um, you know, the last few years, um, Disney Fantasy has done one sort of longer cruise, right? And um, last, you know, summer 2021, the scheduled longer cruise – was um a longer i think it was a was it a nine night or an, a, it was either nine, nine. yeah wasn't it a nine night uh, southern caribbean well the, the nine night southern caribbean is the one in 2022 oh okay the one, don't they have an eastern caribbean one nine night yeah it was nine night eastern caribbean last time this time right. it's, it's a southern caribbean and so um this is the one where we do get a brand new port for disney um it's it's again visiting saint martin um, it's again, but then it, it after um, St. Martin, it visits, uh, Rousseau Dominica, which is the brand new port for Disney cruise line. Oh, very cool. Um, and then, uh, St. John's Antigua, which is, I think if not a new port, one that Disney doesn't visit very often. Um, and then St. Thomas in the Virgin islands and castaway key, um, with three sea days. So 
you know, it's a really great cruise and it's going to be, as we get to talking about pricing, it'll be a pricey one because there's only one of them. Um, but a very interesting itinerary. And I, I like seeing them, you know, use this as an opportunity to check out some different ports. Well, it's also a way to draw in new ports, like you said, and keep people on the boat longer because nine nights is a lot of fun. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. But I, I like it from the perspective of, you know, for example, several years ago, right? One of these kinds of one-off cruises had a stop at Tortola. Well, gee, two years later, Tortola became a regular port for Disney Cruise Line. So I think they use these opportunities to kind of, you know, give it a test run in some right, of these Right, test ports. the water, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Test the water. Test the land. But, <laughs> okay, so now I've been to Tortola. I've been to St. Thomas, but I haven't been to some of these other locations. So throw right. me a bone. I'll, I'll happily check it out. Let me see what Antigua's really like. Exactly. Right. And, and, and St. Martin. I would love to see St. Martin. And St. you Martin's can gorgeous. bet that they're going to survey the heck out of, you know, all of the guests on that sailing. And there are going to be all these questions about what did you think of Rousseau? What did you think of St. John's Antigua? You know, what, what was there that you didn't get to do on past cruises, all that kind of stuff uh, so that they can evaluate and see whether it makes sense. Because we've mentioned a number of times that, getting all these new ships coming online, you know, they all got to go somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think we're just naturally going to see some new ports become part of the mix. And, and, you know, this is a way to test them out. You kind of have to, they're all sailing out of Florida. Then, you know, you got to figure out different places for them to be at different times. Right. 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 I mean, they all can't be a castaway in lighthouse point and yeah. they definitely can't all be in Nassau or Cosmel or, you know, Jamaica, yeah. like, you're going to run right. out. Of, you're going to run out of interest really fast. Right. Right. Well, and and to a certain extent, space. Right. Because it's not just Disney Cruise Line. They're competing for port space with all these other cruise lines that are also bringing on newer and bigger ships. And yep. The the at, at a certain point, the port experience is diminished for the the guests you bring on if the port is too crowded by too many ships at the same time. Um, and I think they're right. Really if conscious you of you that. pull in and there's there's a carnival, there's a Royal, there's a Holland America and there's a Disney. Like you get off and you're like, we can't even do anything. Yeah. It's just people right. everywhere. Right. You don't feel special. That's yeah. what it really comes down to. Right. Right. Uh, all right. So let's, let's move away from Florida because it's, you know, dream and fantasy are holding down the fort in Florida, but the rest of the fleet is scattered to the winds. Um, wonder heads, you know, back to um, Alaska and um, I don't know. I, I, I was glancing through. I don't really see anything that jumps out at me about these Alaska cruises that is, you know, completely new or different. Either of you guys see anything? Not at all. No, um, it's and, plain Jane. Yeah, and that's that's what people want. I mean, they know what that quantity is. They know they want to go here, 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 and see you know have an opportunity to see whales and see glaciers and. Uh, that's, that's good enough for them. Right. Uh, I mean, there's, it's not like you have a whole lot of ports of call there. I mean, you've well, got, there, I mean, there you got is, what you got. There are some alternatives, but, but for the big ships, it is fairly limited. And I, I think a big piece of this too, is that we have to remember that we now have two full seasons of Alaska sailings that will have been canceled. And so, right. you know, 
the last thing they want to do is erode the number of standard seven-night Alaska experiences they can offer by throwing in a nine-night or a six-night because they've got two years worth of folks who who already have They've plans. been dying to go. Yeah. Yeah. They want to go. Uh, and, and they need to accommodate those folks. So um, I, I haven't counted, but – you know they're they're starting their Alaska season about as early as I can remember it starting. Right, it's May sixteenth is the first Alaska sailing, and they may have done they're one earlier cold. than that. But they're going to be that's, cold. That's way early, yeah. But that seemed pretty early, and then they're running now. I, I was, uh, and then and yeah, and then they're running all the way. The last one departs September twelfth. I was going to say, in September can be pretty, yeah, pretty chilly. chilly. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. you're you're you're, can be you're literally looking at like a week and a half later. It's fall. Yeah, and fall in Seattle via North could be rain, snow, ice cold, right. or it could be sixty-five and sunny. I know people who've been angling to take those, those end of the season Alaska cruises. Cause you know, they, they feel like the, the experience is a little less rushed, a little less, you know, busy because sort of all of the destinations and things are starting to gear down a little bit. It just, the pace seems to be a little bit more um, relaxed at that point. There's also less boats. Yeah. Fewer ships. I mean, you feel more important when you get into those um, destinations and ports. Um, so you know, we don't really need to, to belabor much more with um, Disney Wonder in Alaska. Uh, the the harder one, and this is always the one for the summer, is you know Disney Magic and sort of tracing its route. Uh, from from Miami, where it departs on its eastbound transatlantic, you know, through the Mediterranean, through Northern Europe, um, and and then eventually uh, starting to to head back. So, first of all, um, maybe it's just that I haven't looked very carefully at it before, but um, the the thirteen night eastbound transatlantic cruise especially, you know, looking at, at what the pricing looks like. I mean, if you enjoy your sea days, you got them. Well, and, and, and that cruise there. seems to be an incredible value. Well, I mean, it's like, uh, it's under five grand. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's but you thing. do also have to buy an international one way flight home. That's true. That's true. But that's the other half of it. You know, yeah. what, and, though, and it, where they land the boat, on usually the first time isn't in a major flight city. They're they're landing in Barcelona. Oh, this one's in Barcelona. Yeah, okay, yeah. so so you can get yeah, back can to that sea and you can right. But what I like about it is not only day, day is it landing in Barcelona, which is a city that is not, you know not a difficult one to get an international flight back out of, but I really like the ports that they've chosen to stop at because you know obviously they've got seven days at sea you know going across the Atlantic. But then they stop uh, in the Azores, which is actually Portugal, but Azores. Then they stop at Lisbon, Cadiz, Spain, Malaga, Spain, uh, and Cartagena, Spain. So you, you get, you know, the equivalent of basically a, what, one, two, three, four, five. So basically the, the same, you get a transatlantic passage plus a five-night or six-night Spain and Portugal cruise. <laughs> 
Right. You but get to know Spain better than you ever did before, right? The other thing is, it is early May. Yeah, it is. And you could hit some real, like, I, I don't want to say bad weather, but you could hit some coastal weather. I mean, because they go up towards Boston and they go clear across up in that area. Yeah, you can true. hit some ice and, cold weather. I mean, snow just went through last week. Yeah, yeah. But that, one of the reasons I think that they are starting in Barcelona instead of starting in Dover right is that they head south instead of north correct right they can go they can go to to the warmer waters of the the southern atlantic instead of the northern atlantic cuz they they won't head over to dover until uh let's see so 13 days they get over to barcelona and then they pick up they hit the greek isles in june Right. So yeah. So then June is in the Mediterranean. So so they're mostly basically sailing out of either Barcelona or Rome, and they're mm-hmm. really sticking to that sort of you know Eastern um, Mediterranean, Greece and and uh, Italy. Area. Right. They don't hit the British Isles till almost September. So it's, right because they're avoiding the Northern Atlantic, which makes sense. Right. Um, absolutely but but you know it makes a whole lot of sense and they're, and they're you know in in that whole area through really sort of june and july some of these uh, longer mediterranean itineraries are just dream itineraries i mean this 12 night mediterranean with greek isles is just fantastic oh, who wouldn't want to do that seriously i mean it's it's like fourth of july weekend Right, because it it departs on July sixth, and it visits. It starts uh, in in outside of Rome, visits Sicily, then Santorini, Athens, Mykonos, then back around to Naples, Italy, and Pompeii, then Florence, Italy, um, Monte Carlo, and Nice, and France, and Marseille. Um, just a terrific, terrific itinerary. That's an amazing itinerary. And the price is really not that bad. For what it is? For no. what it is. For I what mean, it is, it's not, it's not. Although I will say the, that cruise in particular um, always sort of amuses me because it's also the cruise that w- when we used to, every once in a while, we, we would play the rich dad, poor dad game, right? Where we try and come up with the least right. expensive way to do a certain kind of travel and the most expensive and the yeah. key to getting the most expensive rich dad Disney cruise line trip was booking the um, the Walt Disney suite for the 12 night Mediterranean. Oh, for a crying out loud. <laughs> well, I you guarantee you it is the most expensive. Oh, yeah. Of the entire year on any Disney sailing. By a long shot. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, concierge starts in 37,000. Yeah. And that's not. Right. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right. And that's not the Walt Disney suite. Right. But look, you're looking at 13 nights of Disney service, which is stellar. It's, it's amazing. Plus, you know, these amazing ports of call, um, you're going to get what you pay for. I mean, yeah, it's going to cost some money, but you're going to get your value out of it. Well, sure. I mean, you're not, you're not, you know, you're preaching to the choir here, Uh, but the reality is that you could buy a house. (laughs) 
right? for, well, what, for what that Walt Disney suite costs. In some place, well, I wouldn't be doing the Disney suite anyway. I mean, uh, I, I don't want everything brought to me. I want to be out there discovering. I want to be out there, you know, making friends with, uh, you know, the server in this place and the bartender in that place. You know, I well, don't sure, want everything brought to me. Then you have a place to, to bring them back to. <laughs> That's a little iffy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right, all right. All right. Anyway, well, so, moving ahead. So let's let's look at these though, because what I like here too is that there's a nice range. I mean, we've been gushing about this twelve night, but there's you know Mediterranean sailings as short as five nights, and you've got everything between you know the five night and and the the twelve night. Um, any of you have a, a favorite among these other than the, the big, you know, 12 night Mediterranean. Ooh, tough call. The eight night, um, Greek Isles is not a bad cruise. Um, and like, I'm just looking over the price. It's, it's affordable for being in the Greek Isles in the middle of, you know, it's June, so it's hit or miss, but it could be something different before the peak summer travel. Right, right. You know, I mean, like you're you're not like July fourth or August fifteenth, you know, and you, you're not really worried about weather. I mean, like by mid June, you're usually in the clear. Right. Well, and and here's where the the whole issue of of pricing, you know, starts to come up. Right. Um, because I shared with with you guys here as we were getting ready to record, um, I did a whole sort of comparison, and what I wanted to do was say, all right, let's let's look at you know the the least expensive um, and most expensive options for each of these different uh, kinds of sailings as best we can for 2021, right? What those prices looked like on release date, and then for 2022, what those prices looked like on release date, and we understand. Most people are not booking release date pricing. It's just a, you know, gives us an apples to apples comparison so that it's, yeah, in, just it's could, an even playing field. It's a baseline. Yeah. And what I found really astounding was that if you look at the the sort of workhorse cruises, right? The the Bahamas, um, especially the shorter ones, right? Those shorter Bahamas cruises. Right. The three night ones. Yeah. Well, three and four night. Yeah, the prices actually went down. Correct. Yes. Dropped and drastically dropped in some cases. Well, the, yeah, quite a bit. Exactly. The bigger drop, realize that the bigger drop is because it's a, um, and a, I think it's important to note this. Um, it, it's sort of an exception to the rules because what happens is um, it was hard to do a 2021 to 2022 three night Disney dream comparison because in 2021, a three-night Disney Dream cruise sails in July. And the other ones sail in September. Right. The 2022 is out of you're Miami in, in September. You're in the heartbeat of hurricane. Out of hurricane season. Exactly right. Well, and and a whole big difference in pricing between July and September. We're going from the, the most expensive month to sail on Disney Cruise Line to the least to one expensive. Of the cheapest. And the other thing is, I mean, this is something people need to take into effect. Right now, it's way cheaper to fly into Orlando than it is to Miami. Like you cannot find depending on where deals. you're where you're flying. Right, from. where you're flying from, right, right. I mean like it's 
I think it will change over time. Right. Because we, we can get some really cheap uh, Southwest flights into Fort Lauderdale. Right. But I mean, I'm just more people thinking of Miami. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you need the good travel agent to tell you Fort Lauderdale is not that far away. Get on, get, yeah. get no bus and head on down. But, um, but you know, so the bottom line is that, that for those, those bread and butter Bahamas sailings, Disney did a really nice job. They held the line on pricing, um, you know, pretty much across the board. Uh, we saw either prices going down or if they did go up in a particular category, they, they only ticked up a little bit, at least in terms of opening day pricing. Um, if we go to the fantasy and we look at it's again, sort of bread and butter cruises, it seemed to me that the, that it was similar. Um, you know, it, it depended more on, um, stateroom category for whatever reason it seemed, but, um, you know, None of the increases were more than what I think the biggest ones were still under nine percent. I was right. going to say I'm looking at like six to seven percent on average. Right. Yeah, you didn't There's see a few one and twos, but you didn't see decreases, but you only saw very, very modest increases. Right. You know, so that that was good to see. Um, even the nine night Caribbean, which I know a lot of people complain of being overpriced, um, frankly, you know, it, it comes in. Not bad at all and not bad comparatively. Um, you know, the the increase ranged a bit, but but even at the higher end, it was only about six percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, it's five point one, six point three, five point seven, four point four. Like it's that's not that bad because I mean everything has gone up. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And we're talking two years now, basically. Exactly. Exactly. You've got that, you know, got you well, it goes without saying the the time period of COVID and you know there there was no availability to do that cruising. So so therefore, you know, is it really effectively that much more? I don't think so. Now the here's where it jumped out at me though. The one place where we saw uh year year over year increases that were consistently more than eight percent were the longer uh mediterranean with greek isles cruises the eight night and the the longer um you know the the 12 night um cruise those prices and, went up pretty significantly and, and the higher value states right yes like veranda went up almost 10 and a half percent yeah veranda concierge that those, those went up significantly didn't they yeah they did but but even Ocean View went up. Over Ocean 10%. View went over ten percent, right? Concierge went. I mean, Concierge only went up nine percent. But you know, you well, go from yeah, thirty three thousand to, to thirty seven thousand. Right like, when you're going up to thirty seven thousand dollars, <laughs> <Yeah>, right? <laughs> it's a different animal. We don't really Shedging. talk about that. Well, nope. yeah, because I mean, that's the price range where it's if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Correct. Exactly. Um, but at the same time. What caught my attention was, on the one hand, we had the biggest increases on those longer ones. On the other hand, if you look at some of these other European sailings, in particular the British Isles and the Norwegian fjords, right, the the sort of northern Atlantic sailings um, that are are in you know September, August, and end of August and September, um, you know, price increases were much lower, um, and you know, for the most part. Less than less than six percent. I mean, 
you know, ocean view and the Norwegian fjords went up 7%, but every other category, uh, was, was right at, right at or below a 6% increase. And that's really not bad. It's just really not bad, all things considered. Well, we also don't know. I mean, like, what are the European countries charging us to come over now? You know, I mean, that's true. Those that's could another change. question. Those could change, but I, I don't. I I really don't expect those to be huge differences. I mean, there's there's economic factors playing on both ends. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, they've got revenue to make up. On the other hand. There's competition for the cruise lines to shop, to stop at your port instead of the one, you know, 100 nautical miles down the way. It would be interesting to see what, uh, if any, effect Brexit has had on the industry in that regard. That's true. Um, I mean, it, it shouldn't affect um, most of, of Disney Cruise Line's um, British Island sailing, but but it would be interesting to compare the port costs on the British Isle sailings compared to the, the Mediterranean sailings that have the stops in Italy and France and exactly. EU so countries. whoever's out there, that's a, a total statistics geek, go out there and figure it out for us. Will you? <laughs> and then get back to us, please. Yes. Let us know. <laughs> we'll be here all day. Um, so, so I think that there's an opportunity there to, to capture some real value in uh, those, you know, uh, especially those those more northern Atlantic sailings that um, people were really excited about when they first came out five years or so ago, um, and you know those are ones where they've kind of held the line on the pricing a bit better. Um, but even the eight night Mediterranean with Greek Isles, you know, the the increases averaged around ten percent. Yeah, they're at nine and a half to eleven point two, like which is still very affordable. I mean, like you said earlier, if you're asking, you, this is probably not the cruise for you. Like when you start asking prices, these are not the cruises you're looking for because you're going to freak enough. out at airfare, you're going to freak out at everything else. Well, True but enough. by the same token, this is this is going to sail in summer of 2022. These are bucket list trips. So these are the trips where you make that decision now and you start putting the money away. And, you know, like every other big vacation like this, you know, you, you, your final payment is not going to be due until 90 to 120 days before 120 days or so before sailing about right now of next year. Right. So you've got a year at this point to be, you know, socking away. I mean, the, your your government stimulus checks a month, right? Two thousand bucks a month, um, <laughs> and and it's a great way to use it, right? Get a chance to do something that that you put off now for a couple of years and and can really enjoy. Um, Life is short, and it's only getting shorter. People, there you go. Um, and then. You know, I guess we should mention at least briefly. Um, there are these. Uh, uh, you know, sort of Northern European cruises um, that have some interesting aspects to them that if you haven't really considered them, um, you get almost some, some experiences that you might only otherwise get from a land tour or a, a, like a river cruise even, um, you know, the, the Northern Europe sailing out of uh, Denmark, out of Copenhagen, 
hit some ports that you just don't get an opportunity to visit very often. Um, I've heard great things about the port um, at Tallinn in Estonia. Um, just some, some really great history there for people who are European history buffs. Um, St. Petersburg, Russia, which, you know, it's just not a place that Americans get to visit much. Right. Um, Helsinki, Finland, Stockholm, Sweden, and you, you get to take in the great capitals of Scandinavia and, you know, do that as, as part of, uh, you know, a, a cruise that, that looked like it was pricing at a, a pretty good value. Now, are you talking about a cruise or are you talking about Adventures by Disney? What, what, where do we draw the line here? Well, that's just it. That's a cruise, but, um, and I'd have to double check. I believe that that's one of the cruises that you can do the Adventures by Disney add-on for. Um, so for a number of these cruises now, um, Disney has introduced Adventures by Disney add-on tours. I don't know that we have any of the details of those add-on tours at this point because a lot of that has been kind of suspended by Adventures by Disney, but um, you know you can you can sign up for now the companion Adventure by Disney experience with um, a lot of the if not all almost all of the Mediterranean itineraries and I believe Northern Europe as well. And I think that's definitely something you should you should think about doing if that is what interests you. Doing a, a combo cruise plus Adventures by Disney to where you can actually go, you know, get in the big middle of the things that you wanted to see, the things that have been on your bucket list for your whole life, right? This is something you should really consider doing. Again, you know, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, but it's something to really think about or work towards, yes? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's something to save up for. And, and I think that it's a way of making sure – as much as anything else, you could almost think of it as an, an insurance policy for your uh, investment in your experience, right? Because what you're doing by combining the Adventures by Disney experience and the Disney Cruise Line experience is you're getting a shoreside experience that is at least as rich and as um, well fit to your family as the ship side is, right? You know, right. And if you're if you're taking a trip like that, isn't that what you want? I mean, I do. I want to see. I want to see the culture. I want to learn about the culture. I want to, you know, I want it to be immersive like Disney is. So I would be totally interested in that. Well, and there's your key, right? Because that's really what the Adventure by Disney piece is all about. I mean, that's the part that Disney does better than anybody else. It's it's bringing Disney storytelling to world travel, and so. It's much more engaging for the kids that you're traveling with. If you're traveling with your family on on this, you know, trip where you're going to see these amazing European capitals that you wouldn't ordinarily otherwise experience, you know, they could get a a tour guide, you know, tour book version of it where they walk by and snap pictures and Instagram themselves and their friends canoe and awe, or they do it. You know, you, you do it with the Adventures by Disney add-on, and they leave with an experience that brings a piece of that that place they visited home with them, right? right. Because it's, it's incorporated into their story. 
you actually become part of the story there. And that's that to me is the most intriguing thing. It really is. Um, when I learned about Adventures by Disney, I was just blown away by the fact that you can visit these places and get involved with the culture and really learn what each destination is about. And I think that's a really cool thing that a lot of people don't realize is available to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly new that they've expanded those Adventures by Disney add-ons. And as we've said, they're not inexpensive, but it's, if, if we're talking about value and not price, you know, there, there's certainly uh, an excellent track record from them for delivering value. Yeah, the value is totally there. And educational. Yes. Like, I mean, if you're wanting to bring your 15 and 19 or 18-year-old to learn about everything – you're going to get so much more of a hands-on experience there than you will just going over trying to do the tour on your own. You know, you can send your kid off to be an exchange student if you want to, but, you know, that's one experience out of many that they could have, right? Right. But you're, but it, being an exchange student, I mean, like, it could be awesome to be in Barcelona, but if the family can't travel out of Barcelona, all you are is in Barcelona the your whole time. Right. Do you really get to see everything that is available to be seen around there? No. Right, right. Well, and and again, it's it's about maximizing the value of what you do see because yeah, a cruise stop in in you know in in Tallinn, you're not going to learn everything there is to know about Estonia, but by coupling it with with adventures, you're going to walk away with an integrated understanding that is better than you're likely to stumble upon on your own. Right. Because you've had your hands in it. You've been an active part of it. And that's, that's part of the a real allure to adventures by Disney. Agreed. Um, all right. So um, I would say overall that this was a solid set of itineraries. It, it, you know, left us with the signposts for where dish where dish where wish is going to slot in um, such a dish yes uh where wish is going to slot in basically you know covering uh likely covering what dreams pattern was uh i, I like what dream appears to be doing out of miami i think it makes a lot of sense um i don't know what do you think? What What's your overall impression? I mean, I, I guess what I would call it is, um, let's call it solid, but not spectacular. And I'm not sure what would have made it spectacular, but um, I, I thought that, that this was a solid set of itineraries. Oh, it's I a totally great agree. start. I mean, like, we don't really know as of today what's going to happen. Like, we think everything's going to get back to normal, but they have to set something and then build off it. I mean, 2022 is not that far away. I mean, we make fun of like how far away it is, but May of 2022 is 13 months away. Well, that's when true. you're talking about paying for a vacation. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty close. Well, and, right. and and frankly, talking about what vacation is going to be there, you know, we're we're still waiting for uh, an official restart to the the you know to Cruise. cruising out of U.S. ports. Um, we did get, by the way, it's worth mentioning that we got some news on that over the last week or so, and, and it's raised uh, some interesting questions that we've started talking about. I don't know that we have any great answers yet, but, um, you know, the, the first thing is that um, it's clear that 
we've done a better job finally of of expanding the availability and the pace at which we're getting people vaccinated. So that's a great thing. Um, you know, the United States is storming ahead. Um, I think that we need to be careful, though, when we think about what what you know how much impact that's going to have on things like cruising, because the pattern isn't quite the same around the world. Um, and in fact, Europe has has stalled out a little bit with some supply chain issues. Right, and we've made it um, well. Our current uh, administration has made it a priority a huge priority to get as many shots in the arms as possible, as quickly as possible. And that's not, that's not true around the globe, uh, but it is here and that's what we have to work with. Right. And, and the problem of course, is that when it comes to cruises, we need foreign ports to cooperate, um, which we still are waiting on our buddies in Canada. To, <laughs> to, exactly. We still can't sail Alaska yet. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to come along now. Uh, so, so the vaccination thing is a good thing. We've also gotten announcements already from several cruise lines, including to some extent, Disney cruise line, um, that are going to be sailing some, uh, cruises out of non U S ports, but accessible to Americans. Uh, and one of the keys for them so far has been an expectation that everybody, you know, all, all the crew and, um, uh, like staff for the cruise line will be vaccinated and passengers are supposed to be vaccinated. That is one thing for a cruise line like Virgin Voyages, where every guest is 18 or older. It's a little different game when you're talking about Royal Caribbean and Disney Cruise Line, because at this point, you know, you could, you're only you only now can get people vaccinated. Um, like, well, right now you got to be eighteen. Sixteen. Um, no, 16. Well, sixteen, but only the Pfizer. Which, yeah, only the Pfizer vaccine is available to sixteen-year-olds. Pfizer, from what my understanding is, they've got some preliminary data that may allow them to extend to 12 well, years old. By August-ish? Yeah, by the end of the summer. And I understand that we're basically you know, dating this podcast by speaking of these, these, these terms, but uh, it's necessary that we talk about it. Um, what is the impact? Where, where is the proof of vaccination going to come into play? Um, we're right. talking about vaccination passports, that sort of thing like that. These are still in the early infancy stages. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't have any kind of a verification authority in place yet that would be able to manage all of this. Um, so that, that's going to be a trick. I, I mention it though, in particular, cause we're talking about Disney cruise line because it's one thing for Virgin voyages or, or crystal cruises, you know, cruises who traditionally have very few children on board or don't allow children on board. To do this because, you know, by the time these folks are, are, are setting sail in the, in the fall, um, you know, or even uh, midsummer, late summer, any adult who wants a vaccine can get one. Um, but at least in America, that's the anticipation. Right. Yes. But if you're Disney Cruise Line and you want to say, you know, okay, we want to do like Virgin Voyages so we can start sailing again. So we're going to have all our, crew members are going to be vaccinated and all our guests are going to be vaccinated. Well, well, all our guests who can be vaccinated 
right? Well, I mean, that, that eliminates like floor four and five. Like, you're just going to get rid of the kids' clubs? Well, you know right. what I mean? This is, this is exactly the point. You know? What are you supposed to do about it? Yeah. How do you manage that? And how do you deal with, you know, where, where's the cutoff? Because at this point, we have one vaccine option that is available, um, you know, approved for people as young as age 16. So is that your cutoff? Well, what happens if they get approval down to age 12? But it's still only that one vaccine. I mean, how many of us are in a position of being able to shop for, you know, one, one vaccine brand over the other? How many of us even have the option of finding out which one is going to be offered to us when we get to the clinic for the appointment? I was going to say, you walk in and usually find out, oh, today is blank. Exactly. Take what you get. We thought we were going to have this, but we got this. And, you know, if, if only the Pfizer vaccine can be given to, to kids down to 12 through the summer, I just don't see how Disney Cruise Line can, can use the same, you know, the same policy structure that even a, uh, I mean, to a lesser princess extent, I guess, or, yeah, a princess or, or even Royal Caribbean is saying, you know, they want everybody vaccinated, but you know, they're, they're not going to require vaccination of children, but they're going to require a negative COVID test prior to boarding and after boarding or something like that for them. So, right. you know, the, the, it, the point is it just requires some more extensive planning and, and some more procedures to be in place. And we're going to see more of those over the next couple of weeks um, because the CDC did finally say that they're moving the conditional return to sale order to phase two. So um, it sounds like they're essentially adopting the the research data that um, the cruise industry has has provided. They've done some great work. I don't know if you guys have followed it, but um, Royal Caribbean actually commissioned an independent study of um, the HVAC systems on their ships, and they brought in uh, you know specialists from the University of Nebraska to come out and you know. Yeah, but Nebraska. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I have been following it actually. Now that you mention it, and I think what needs to happen is the cruise industry really needs to publicize, very make very public um, the steps that they are taking to make uh, cruising safe again. Yeah. Uh, you know, to and to give some kind of assurance to the the passenger, the would be passengers that yes, we are taking these protocols, we're taking these standards to heart and making it safe for everybody to travel again. And I don't think you have to say safe again, because I always felt safe on a cruise ship. Well, like, but he's saying safe post. I know, I know, I know, right, right. I know what yeah. he's saying, but you know, like I keep hearing about these, these cruises that they have to do practice runs and they have to do this and they have to do that. And it's like, I know that's the right thing to do, but some of this stuff is, They've been doing it for years. I mean, how many times do you wipe your hands before you go into a dining room at, at right. Disney? Well, like, and, and and part of this is, I think, you know, it, it, it's evolving over time. And I, I think that part of the CDC's original conditional return to sale order, I'm guessing here a little bit. I'll be fair to say that. But um, I think to some extent it was their way of saying, look, if you're in a hurry – to get back to sailing, this is what you can do. Yep, it's a pain. But right. if you want to jump to the head of the line, you got to jump through these hoops to do it. 
And it's going to be fairly seen, restrictive. Yeah, and and what we've already seen is in the in the phase two move, it's already you know, first of all, acknowledging changes in circumstances as vaccine is rolling out and being more broadly distributed, and recognizing what's already been done, things like the the um, HVAC testing that that. Royal Caribbean has done the you know seventy five point plan the the um, healthy what is it called the the healthy sailing uh, panel that that Royal and Norwegian did together um, came up with so you know it's it's acknowledging that growth and it's still saying at this point that you know they're expecting to do these test cruises but I feel like those are still part of the it's sort of the carrot and the stick, right? It's it's if you're really in a hurry, you'll go ahead and do these test cruises and you'll and you'll prove it. Or you'll be patient, you'll wait, and you know, we'll hit a threshold where we're comfortable saying that it's in the interest of the public health to go ahead and and you know, go back to cruising without having to do a series of non-revenue producing <laughs> test right. cruises. And I suspect that, you know, Disney, as they are, are going to take the more conservative end of that. I can't imagine them not. Like, there's no way they're going to be the guinea pig. Well, I mean, I, I do think that ultimately I, I would be surprised if we didn't get at least a sort of symbolic test cruise from each cruise line, you know, like at least one where they take the CDC folks through and just model their procedures. Right. But, but I don't think we're going to get the full, you know, three night test cruises that, that they were talking about doing. Yeah. I'd be surprised. You know, I mean, I think we might get the, the, you know, one night overnight onboard in port, sort of walk through everything test. Right, the 24-hour flip, basically. Yeah. And I, I could see him doing those um, and, and you know, maybe selected sea trials, you know, either on a voluntary or, or you know, lottery basis or something just to, to prove it. Because the key is really that it's not just about the safety of the American public or about, the CDC trying to, to be, you know, tough guys. A piece of this is about making it so that as a, on a national level, we can, you know, leverage a good showing from, from this CDC procedure to go to these foreign ports and get better cooperation in the event that there is a problem. Because frankly, the biggest problem with, with cruise ships related to the, the COVID outbreak back in, in, you know, February, March was that we didn't have procedures already in place, already negotiated with governments around the world. And so we had people literally stranded on ships and, you know, that to me is the biggest piece of this whole CDC conditional sale order is it already says that there's a specific procedure to follow. If you hit certain uh, infectious rate targets, 
And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The cruise stops. The cruise lines have to, before they can start sailing again, show that they've got the space set aside to quarantine people and that they can be sufficiently isolated there. And you haul back home. And that is no easy task. No, and they, they're not guaranteed you can get off the boat. Well, but no, that's just it. That's the point. They are. They're saying that we're, we're putting in a procedure so that if you follow the procedure, you can. You but otherwise, you're, you're, you're SOL. Right. Otherwise, you're, you're on your own. But, but that's the whole point. And that's why this matters. And that's why it kind of takes going slow and all that because it, it, it's about getting these sometimes complicated agreements worked out so that, you know, somebody who tests positive in a port in Italy is able to return to their stateroom, be effectively and quickly isolated and maintained in quarantine, and that the rest of the passengers can be safely brought back on board and everybody can get hauled home. Well, and there's something that you mentioned that just triggered a thought about um uh, I don't know how many people have actually seen this, but Disney is offering the